Hi, I'm Keenan Williams and this is The Social Impact on kwmedia.life. This evening we focus on our African stories and meet another exceptional African and dig deep into their cultures, traditions and as well as the difficulties and just life on the African continent. You're welcome to be a part of the conversation by sending us a WhatsApp text or voice message on plus two seven seven six four seven six nine two seven seven. You can also visit our website to listen to previous episodes of The Social Impact by going to kwmedia.life and to follow us on all forms of social media at KWM Socials. This is The Social Impact. Good evening. Tonight on The Social Impact as we meet up with another African and uh, tonight we meet up with South African Lina Mandla Deliwe and we chat to him a little bit about his African story. Lina Mandla, thank you so much for joining me on The Social Impact tonight. What is your African story? My half, my African story is uh, begin with where I'm originally from. I'm, I was born in Cape Town, Western Cape, uh, because I am a child of migrant workers who moved from Eastern Cape, and then they worked in Cape Town. Now, I then moved, you know, a month after I was born, and then I grew up in a village called Nevana location, which is based in King Williamstown. King Williamstown is based in the Eastern Cape. Hmm. And that is basically my originated where I, I come from and where my my roots are from. Now, Lena Mandla, you're talking about where you have come from and how you got to the got into the Western Cape as well. You are South African. You're talking about uh, you growing up in certain parts of South Africa, coming down from the Eastern Cape, coming to the Western Cape. Talk to me a little bit about that experience of your life growing up and also share a little bit about what were some of those difficulties and the challenges you had experienced and uh, maybe just a little bit about uh, some of those uh, fond childhood memories. Uh, the... I grew up in in, in in a small village in Devana, which is near to King Williamstown in Eastern Cape. And the the difficulties that I came across with is that there was a big gap between the level of education for those kids who went to to rural to rural schools uh, versus those who went to former model schools, and where you you find that. The 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 the, 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 the level of education that they've been getting, you know, because of the private school, they are paying for it, and then we are in a public school. You find that in a classroom, you are likely to get sixty students in one class, and then when you go to Model C schools or former Model C schools, you are likely to get thirty-five or thirty kids in one class, which then makes it easy for their teacher to be able to interact with each and every student but in our own schools you know if you are 16 in one class then it's it's very rare to be able to engage you know with with that with your with your teacher and then the other one is also is sport you know the 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 government schools that i went to is that the the sgb never had enough resources to be able to fundraise for extramural activities but if you go to model c schools or private schools the sgb were able to fundraise for extramural activities where a child that does not perform academically well but excel in sport or in art or in whatever 
mural or extra mural activity. They are being catered for. Then I think that, that those are minor you know, difficulties. And also with ICT, you know, I started being exposed to ICT when I was in grade 10, but as well, it was not, it was not a fully fledged, you know, computer lab. It was few computers which were working. And later on, when we were in three, they were not working anymore. And then you're not exposed to digital education at that particular time, you know, to internet. Even today, there's no library. You know, there the, the is that gap where if you go to a, 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 a remote township, you, you, it's a big difference into a modern township where resources are concerned as a young person. My fondest memory as a child was that you, you, that freedom where you, you, you get to, to, to have many friends you know, in the community as much as possible. You know, you, you, you get to meet people, you know, you, you, it, that openness, you know, that, that Ubuntu that you get in the rural community where every mother is your mother, every father is your father, <laughs> that respect that we have nurtured, that moral ground, that mm. values that we have received. Because if I go to a township or I go to Cape Town now, is that my neighbor is coming from a different background, therefore they have been given different values, different morals. Yeah. But if you come in this community where I'm currently at now for this lockdown, that everybody grew up in the same community, grew up in the same values, grew up in the same morals, therefore we understand each other, we, we acknowledge each other, and we, we, we live in that you know, one society and then one one village. Now, Lena Mandla, it actually ties in perfectly that you're talking about the Ubuntu because as we are running this African series, it comes up time and time again, no matter who we're talking about, no matter which corner of Africa we're meeting up with these people and talking about you know the African stories and uh, the experiences it always comes up that people are talking about Ubuntu and that togetherness it might be a different word or a different way that you uh, you know you are expressing this togetherness and I am because you are it just ties in perfectly with it and you're talking about some of the difficulties that you had experienced growing up in the communities that you had uh, grown up in and uh, I'd like to focus a little bit about uh, the difficulties and the challenges you believe we are experiencing in South Africa presently. There are a number of difficulties that makes one to live in South Africa at this point in time. And to, 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 to name the few is that there is a huge gap between the poor and the rich. And we have not been able as, 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 as a nation to be able to balance the two. And I think as soon as we, we, we start acknowledging each other and not tolerating each other, we'll be able to live in a more open and more one society. If you look at earlier on, I mentioned the issue of education. It, it is still an issue where public education it is not the same as what you get in a private education because the issue of funding is still a problem because remember if you look at the public schools they are depending on norms and standards from the from 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 the department and that money cannot only cannot sustain the school you need to have activities that brings money to the school you need to you need fundraising you know that brings activities into into a school now private schools where you find that the sgb members you know are, are companies ceos they are advocates they are accountants 
they are the people who are able to understand the system that it, we are currently living in. But if you go to a, a public school in a deep rural community, you find that in the SGP, there's an old Bogo who does not understand fundraising in this context. And that lack of understanding then becomes a very difficult challenge. Because in other schools that you get donations from various network providers who comes and donate. And do. But again, it's one thing to donate computers to a school and then you don't, you know, capacitate the teachers. But if you go to a private school, then the SGB will pay for those teachers. And I think that that is where I am choosing the, the difficulty in, in South Africa today as an education part because of I'm a member of an SGB in Cape Town. Now, I understand exactly the challenges that SGB are facing in this situation where the issue of funding is a concern. And that's why I find other schools are unable to deliver you know, to be best in whatever they're doing because of the lack funding. The other one is the issue of uh, of these non-profit organizations, the skills development. We young people are unemployed and at the same time are unemployable. And I think if we start looking at providing skills that are accredited to these young people, then they can be able to go and find employment or they can be able to go and be entrepreneurs and they can employ as many young people as possible. Young people leave schools, they, they drop out of varsity. And I think that's the mistake we tend to do. We, we, we all think young people must go and look for jobs. We all think that young people must go and graduate. All think young people must be able to go and work for a retail. But if we, if, if, if we start in, inculcating the culture of entrepreneurship from a young age, then we are able to have young people who are unemployed, yes, but they're employable. Once they're employable, it's easy for us to be able to talk about how do we then place them in relevant career paths that they want to pursue as young people. And, you know, we need to make use of the NGOs that are existing in our communities. And I, I, I say NGOs, but I'm also active in the NGO sector, where you find that NGOs are doing phenomenal work in communities, but there's no support, you know, from the communities. And I think if we start looking at supporting the NGOs and working closely with the institutions of higher learning at those communities, then we can be able to, to bridge that gap. You know, like I said, the difficulties is education and employment. Lina Mandla, I like that you're talking about education and you're talking about unemployment as well. And last year, August, I lost my job and I was faced with this difficulty of unemployment and I'm still faced with it, but I needed to think bigger and think differently instead of waiting for somebody else to give me the opportunity to say, okay, Keenan, here's a job for you. I needed to create something of my own to be able to say, okay, I'm going to start up my own thing and venture off into the unknown. Now you're talking a little bit about the education education aspect of it and instead of just focusing on South Africa what do you think we can do differently as an African continent to better our education system look as a continent what we need to do to be able to do better our education is to invite the private sector to buy in and be able to be supportive in our education system. We start investing in rural communities as much as we're investing in towns, you know, in suburbs. We need to be able to adopt the, 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 the schools and not only to adopt them when they're doing grade 12, start adopting the schools from grade R, then we build up 
we 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 invest in ICT because we are now living in a 4IR. No, it is real. You know, fourth industrial revolution is real. We need to be able to have preschools which are have ICT, which are ICT competent. That's one thing. When we talk about social economy, we need to be able to 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 introduce the culture of entrepreneurship from a young age. So that we've got young people who are able, because if if you look at a a, a lawyer, you know, a, 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 a person who's a graduate from 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 from, from varsity, they, they they come out of varsity and told they must go and work for a big law firm. They are not being told how to go and open up a law firm. I think if we start if we start introducing that culture of saying. You get a qualification. If you are able to start your own business, you need to be able to be given relevant skills, relevant support. Then you can be able to open up your own business and run your own companies as young people. Then you can be able to build, to bridge that, that gap. Absolutely. Lina Mandla, lastly, what is an African to you? Ah, the moral you know, we are moral driven as as Africans. You know, we've got values. We've 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 we value each other. We 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 believe in a society in a societal approach. We 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 believe in what I have. I need to share with the other person, and I think we need to embrace that. We need to embrace the love for other people that we have. We, we we are we 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 need to to love each other. We need to share what we have, and I think that what makes uh, me to be a proud African is that we 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 love one another, we respect one another, we we work together, and we we are able to host you know anyone you know we we don't look at the color of the skin or the language they speak. We love each other. We embrace each other. We acknowledge each other. And that's what makes me a proud an African. I love it. Uh, Lina Mandla Deliwe is a South African talking about his African story. Thanks very much for streaming us this evening. We're back again on Monday with The Social Impact Live at 9 p.m. South African Standard Time. Remember to listen to all our previous episodes by going to kwmedia.live and follow us, following us on all forms of social media at KWM Socials. Uh, so from myself, Keenan Williams, have a wonderful weekend and keep rocking essay. Bye-bye.